Good morning, good news. How we doing? Yes? Much better than the first service. Can you believe that it's the first Sunday of 2024? That is wild. Uh, thank you, Jesus, that uh, for all of your faithfulness and that we get a new start uh, this year. Thanks for joining us uh, for worship this morning. My name is Strider. I'm one of the pastors here at Good News. And if you are new or visiting, a special welcome to you. We have something that we call the um, Connect card located in the seat backs in front of you. It looks like this. Would love for you to take one of those out. Fill it out, and you can drop these in the black boxes on your way out uh, this morning. At the bottom of the card, you will find a couple of next steps, one of which is if you would like to have lunch with a pastor. Smiley would love to uh, go to lunch with you, and so if you would have an interest in getting to know Smiley, learning more about uh, who we are here at Good News, you could check that. Um, you could also check that you'd like to come to Discover Good News as well. We've got a couple of classes uh, coming up this month. The dates are on the screen. One is a Wednesday night, one is a Saturday morning. If you've been coming to Good News for a while and would like to make Good News your church home, you could check uh, that you'd like to come to Discover Good News on the bottom of your card. Let us know which class uh, fits best with your schedule, and Mindy will reach out to you to make sure that you're included in this month's classes. Uh, also, if you're new and just want to find out more about Good News and get connected, you're also invited to come to Discover Good News as well. We would love to have you. Also, when you came in, Hopefully, you received one of these, as well as a 2024 uh, strategic plan update. Uh, this, which I have in my hand, is called the study, and every month we work hard to produce this because this is a disciple-making tool. Uh, it has uh, some blank pages in here for you to take notes during the message. Um, it has a small group queue for you to take a look at as you head to small group, uh, and it also includes a couple of reading plans. For the past uh, six or seven years, we've been reading through the New Testament uh, together uh, four days a week. And if Dottie, if you could put that slide up real fast. I've been reading through the New Testament together and um, at, at following the, um, the, the message each week, you will find a four-day New Testament reading plan in your study. But sometimes it's also helpful to just have a reminder. And so if you would like to, you could send the word Bible to the phone number on the screen, and every Sunday night, you're gonna get a text message that says, here's both the New Testament reading plan for the week, the one that we utilize in our small groups, but it also includes an Old Testament reading plan. And maybe 2024 is the year that you read through the Bible with us. Maybe you read through the whole thing, or maybe you read through the New Testament together, but I would invite you, encourage you, challenge, to dig into God's word, and that 2024 would be different from all the years prior to it. So uh, if that would be helpful, just send Bible to that uh, uh, phone number right there, and uh, we will keep you in the loop as to what's coming next. As Smiley comes up to speak, let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you give us your, your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to bring us through 2023, and Jesus, we pray that 2024 would be a year like no other. We pray, Jesus, that you would help us, enable us to love you more and more, and that 2024 would be a year of making disciples together. Lord, fill Smiley with your Holy Spirit. Let him speak your words, nothing else, and prepare our hearts as we open your word together. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Strider. Listen, if you're new, we believe the Bible is God's Word, and we love to open it up and study it together. I encourage you to bring a Bible with you. If you don't own a Bible, we have some in the lobby. You could pick one up. 
But our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 5. And sometimes when we read God's word, we stand to pay attention to it. So if you're able, would you stand while I read this passage for, for us? Matthew 5, 1 and 2. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, okay, you may be seated. You're thinking, what are we, Episcopalians or something? We're up and down, right? Uh, hey, what, what do cows say to one another on January the 1st? There you go, happy moo year. There you go, you got that. Okay, that was bad, okay. I've got an even worse one. Do you know what a New Year's resolution is? It's something that comes in one ear and goes out the other. Okay, stick to the Bible, stick to the Bible, okay. Listen, on the first Sunday of each year, we like to take a look back and see what God has done in us in the previous year, and then we like to look ahead where we believe God is leading us. But it's important to know what we're looking for, and so it's important for you to know what our purpose is as a church, is to make disciples together. The reason that's our purpose is that was Jesus' last command. Right before he ascended into heaven, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, and he made us a promise. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you as you carry that out. That's what encourages us to carry out that purpose. So as we look back on 2023, how did we do at making disciples? And here's just a few statistics that we saw 252 people profess faith in Christ through the witness of people at Good News. That to me is is amazing. And we're really excited we had 101 of our members have a chance to introduce a friend to Jesus, which to me is even more amazing. And we give God thanks for that. We, we were able to help plant 10 churches around the world in our giving. Thank you for giving. We saw $2,453,655. Thank you guys so much for giving. Now, we did have a December to remember, and I just wanted to let you know what happened in December. Um, don't we have a December one? There we go. We had 88 people in the month of December who profess faith in Christ, and we had 33 people in the month have a chance to introduce a friend to faith in Christ. And that to me is amazing, and we want to give God thanks for that. I shared with you at the beginning of December that we were behind financially, and you guys were incredibly generous, and we saw over $382,000 given in the month of December. Thank you guys so much for doing that. You really, really helped us finish the year in, in a really good place. And so as we look back, because we did this together, we saw much fruit. And, and now we look ahead, we look ahead, and we long to bear more fruit. Because Jesus said in John fifteen eight, he said, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Um, We long to see more people one to faith in Christ and more people have a chance to win a friend to Christ. And you might wonder why we keep track of that. We believe disciple-making begins and ends with evangelism. We all start as lost people. And when someone is one to faith in Christ and, and then they grow and then they turn around and win someone else to faith in Christ, we believe we're making disciples. 
So in 2021, we had 21 people lead someone to faith in Christ. And we prayed in 2022 that would double. And amazing, we went from 21 to 46. And uh, last year, we prayed that would double, and we went from 46 to 101. Now, God's done that three years in a row. I'm praying He'd do it again. And you know what that would mean, right? That would mean 202 people would have a chance to win someone to faith in Christ. Wouldn't you like to be one of them? It would take what? It would take all of us wanting that to, to do that, right? And um, so how could we do that? Well, first of all, it's a big goal, but we have a good, big God. It would start by us praying because we recognize that with God, all things are possible. The second thing that it would really be involved is following Jesus because we believe that Jesus is our model for life and ministry. He's our model for life and ministry. And as we're following him today, what we're going to learn in the message today is something radical in our culture. The point of today's message is Jesus focused on a few. Uh, if we're going to double the number of evangelists that we have next year, it's going to become by, by narrowing our focus and not widening it. That Jesus focused on a few, and we're going to unpack that today. I want to share with you how we got there, just three steps in my own walk with Jesus. The first step in my own walk with Jesus is when I understood the gospel at a basic level that Jesus died for our sins, and when we believe in him, we're forgiven. That's where my walk with Jesus all started by understanding the gospel. Um, the bad news, the good news, and our response, do you understand the gospel? Do you understand how Jesus died for our sins and when we believe we're forgiven? Oh, oh, let me share that with you. In Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, I'll never forget when I first understood the bad news of the gospel. The lights came on and I realized that I had sinned. Do you realize you're a sinner? you know what sin is? It's a crime against God. You say, what? I mean, in our country, we have laws, right? And if someone breaks the law, it's called a crime, and we would call the person a criminal, right? Did you know that God has given laws? And when we break God's laws, we also break His heart, and that's a crime against God. God says He wants first place in our life, and we don't give Him. That's a crime against God. God says, honor your father and mother, and we say no, and that's a crime against God. And God says, you shall not bear false witness, and we do, and that's a crime against God. And God says, you shall not covet. And don't, what we, don't we want what other, every sin we commit is a crime against God. And God is just, and He says what we deserve for what we've done is hell itself. So we have a sin problem, and it's worse than the fact that we have sinned. Did you notice here? It says we are sinners. And because we're sinners, even if we tried to save ourselves, we couldn't because we're sinners. Oh, but here's the good news. I'll never forget when I understood the good news for the first time. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't come. To help good people get better, he came to save sinners. That God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to do something about our sin problem. He lived a perfect life and on the cross. Oh. I mean, do you realize this? What 
So many people, I, I, you know, I thought with most people that, you know, if you do what they want you to do, then they'll love you. But God, while we're living in rebellion against him, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, he took our sins upon himself and died in our place, crying out, it is finished. And, and he rose on the third day to prove it. And he offers us eternal life. He offers to forgive all of our sins. He offers to move into us so that we could do life and eternity with him. And what does he require of us? That we receive him as our Savior and Lord. Have you? Oh, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Uh, Jesus said, I want to move in and forgive you. Let's do life and eternity together. Uh, I mean... Isn't that the greatest offer ever? So you know how I received him and how you can? Receiving Jesus is simple. It's, it's A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. And you can do that now if you'd like. Or, or at the end, I'll help you. But I said, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry, won't you? And I, I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he did. And I want you to be the Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, won't you receive him if you haven't? And if you have, you know what that means? Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. And when Jesus moves in, we're forgiven of all of our sins, past and present and future. Just this week, I'm having lunch with a this lady, and she says, Smiley, could I be forgiven for what I've done? Have you ever wanted, I mean, could I, could I be? And the answer is yes. Well, how do we know? Because a dead man walked out of the grave proving he had paid the full penalty for our sins. I said, when we believe we're forgiven of all of our sins, past and present and future. And of course, people say, well, how could I be forgiven future sins? But what? When Jesus died, how many of them were future? They were all future, right? Oh, isn't it great to know Jesus? See, the first level of me understanding Jesus is that Jesus died for our sins, and when we believe, we're forgiven. Almost like a Ronco commercial, though, but wait. There's more. Do you know the second step in my life with Jesus was understanding that Jesus lived for us, that Jesus lived a perfect life for us, and when we put our faith in him, we are given his righteousness. Listen, being in Christ, having Christ in us is way more than just being forgiven, though being forgiven is amazing. Oh, the verse, the verse that began the Protestant Reformation was Romans 1.17. When the light came on in Martin Luther's uh, mind, here's what he understood. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that's it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. That when we put our faith in his righteousness is given to us. Luther understood, we're given righteousness, we're given righteousness, we're made righteous in God's eyes through Christ, not through our works. You know what's so wonderful to know is that my standing before God on any given moment is not based on my performance, but his. Isn't that good? Oh, Paul writes of it again in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. <clears throat> Paul says, He, God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, all of our sins are imputed on Christ and we're forgiven, past, present, and future. But then his righteousness is imputed to us so that we stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Oh. <laughs> so thankful to know Jesus that he died for us, right? And because of that, we're forgiven. That he lived for us and because of that, we're clothed in his righteousness. But wait, there's more. The third step that, that it really took with Jesus was understanding that Jesus is our model for life and ministry. After he forgives us, after he clothes us in his righteousness, and he moves into us, and he says, follow me. And he's our model for life and ministry. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be pushed. Do you? But I like to be led. Are you a husband? You know what Jesus says? Follow me and I'll show you how to love your wife. Maybe you're a wife. Jesus says, follow me and I'll show you what it looks like to be submissive to your husband. I'll show you. It's what I was with my father. You're a single person. And what does Jesus say? He says, follow me and I'll show you how to live as a single person. He's our model for life and for ministry. See, we want to make disciples, and we want to make disciples Jesus' style. And so we've been studying the life of Jesus, and he's left us a model for making disciples. So I want you to pick up your study, and I want you to turn to page three and four. It looks like this. Now, there's a lot of words on here, so let's just look at the very top. Four words. The model that we are learning from Jesus, four words is to wind and build and equip and multiply. Uh, sometimes we might talk about chairs. That just helps us understand what we're talking about. But the model Jesus set before us is four steps to win, build, and equip and multiply. We all start as lost people, and so we want to win the lost. And the way Jesus would do that is he would invite people to come and see and so we want to invite our lost friends to come and see Jesus. And then Jesus would build a believer once someone would admit and believe and commit. Then he would say, follow me. And that's how we begin to grow. And then after a while, Jesus would equip the worker by saying, let me equip you to fish for men. And then he would multiply disciple makers, those that could bear much fruit. He would send them out to be reproducing disciple makers. So... I want you to look under chair two where it says, build a believer. When someone comes to faith in Christ, we want to help them spend time with Jesus. And that's how, as Strider said, this tool can help. We want to spend time in worship. And so there is a place in here for message notes. We want people to be involved in a small group. The queue is in here. And then as Strider said, we want to get people to read the word. Do you know why it's four days a week? The reason is when you win someone to faith in Christ this year you can invite them to read through the New Testament with you. And if they miss two or three days, they're not behind. They can do it. The reason we do this is so that each year when you lead someone new to faith in Christ, you can invite them to read with you. And if they're not as good at spending time with you, they don't fall behind. Oh, 
This one guy that I've been working with, you know, he came to faith in Christ, read the Bible with me. He did. He read through the New Testament one year. He read through the New Testament two years. He felt like he could accomplish things. The third year I said, how would you like to read through the Old Testament too? Because he had the momentum of making it through the New Testament twice, he could then read through the Old Testament. You can too. Let's do this together. Jesus is our model that uh, we want to learn from him how to win and, and win and then build and then equip and multiply. So what we're going to do this year is, is we're going to learn from Jesus how to, multi, how to make disciples and how to focus on a few. That's why uh, we're doing this passage. We're going to read through the Sermon on the Mount and... Uh, and the best way to learn to be a disciple maker is to hang out with the best disciple maker. So I want you to hear what it says here. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. So what we're going to do this whole year is we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him how to make disciples as we watch him disciple his disciples. So as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it's always helpful to understand Scripture, to understand the context. The more we understand the context, the better we understand the passage. So let me set it up for you a little bit. How many Gospels are there? Thank you. Thank you. So good. There is one Gospel, right? But there are four accounts, right? There's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're called synoptic Gospels. You know what that means? Sin, that they give you the same view of Jesus, so you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then you have John, which is my favorite. You know why John is my favorite? Because the reason he wrote it was so that you would believe, and by believing, you'd have eternal life. He arranges everything in the life of Jesus so you would believe and have eternal life. Then there's Luke. Now, Luke states in the first four verses of his gospel why he wrote Luke. He's a historian. He says, I study the life of Jesus, I talk to the eyewitnesses, and I've written it out for you in consecutive order so that you might know the exact truth about these things. So if we really want to know the chronology of Jesus, if we want to see how his life went from beginning to end, the best place to look would be in Luke. But we're in Matthew, and Matthew was written for Jews. It was written for Jews, and what Matthew was seeking to do is to show us that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures. So he's arranging the life of Christ to bring us to that point that Jesus is the Christ. So as we start Matthew 5, it's important to put that in Matthew's context. And uh, this is uh, 18 months to, a, to a two years into the life of Jesus. He's been calling his disciples... In Matthew 4, 19, and he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He already has disciples at this point. He's already chosen his 12 apostles. He's taken them on different fishing trips to show them how to win people in the synagogue and in homes and in the uh, country. And then we get to verse 23. Jesus was going through all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So Jesus was doing two things. 
He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and he was healing people. He's proclaiming and healing. So what Matthew does, the way he arranges things, is in chapters 5 through 7, in chapters 5 through 7, he, he shows us the teaching of the kingdom. He's showing us what Jesus taught, how he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. Because one of the things that Jesus did was teach... By the way, there's five teaching sections in Matthew, and this is one of them. But then in 8 and 9, in 8 and 9, he, he lumps together all the people that Jesus healed so that he arranges the teaching, so we see the teaching, and then he arranges the healing so that we would know that Jesus is the Christ. We see it in his teaching, and we see it in his healing. So let me show you that. Now listen, verse 23 again. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Then comes the teaching, 5 through 7. Then comes the healing, 8 and 9. And then listen to this in Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Do you see what Matthew just did? He told you what he was about to do, and then he told you, and then he reminds you of what he had just done, uh, the, the teaching of Jesus and the healing of Jesus. Now back to Matthew 4.23, uh, one more time. Um, if we're going to understand the Sermon on the Mount, we need to understand the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Um, and, and, and I'm not real smart, so I like to make things really simple. So when you hear about the kingdom of heaven or you hear about the kingdom of God, I want you to immediately think of two twos. When you hear the kingdom, two twos, and the first set of two twos is what do you need to have a kingdom? What do you need? Thank you, you need a king, and what else? subjects. To have a kingdom, you can't have a kingdom without a king, and you can't have a kingdom without subjects. So when Jesus began his ministry, how did he proclaim the gospel? In Matthew 4, 17, he said, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, the king is here, surrender, right? And whenever people surrender, Whenever people bow their knee before King Jesus, they enter his kingdom. Uh, repent, turn from your sins, quit your rebellion, and believe in the king. So to have a kingdom, the first set of two twos is you need a king and subject. So if you have bowed your knee to King Jesus, you're a part of the kingdom. King and subjects, second set of two twos is now and not yet. Now and not yet. Is the kingdom here? It's now, it is here, and it's also not yet. The kingdom now, it is in the hearts and lives of his people. It's a spiritual kingdom now. It's now in the hearts of his people. But one day his kingdom is coming in all of its fullness. So the kingdom is both now and not yet. And that's why we like to say it good news, because we're a part of his kingdom now. We can be reasonably happy in his kingdom now, knowing we'll be supremely happy when the kingdom comes in all of its fullness. So what Jesus is doing 
in the Sermon on the Mount, and this is so good, what Jesus is doing is he's teaching us how to live as kingdom citizens. Because most of us have dual citizenship. Most of us are citizens of his kingdom first and foremost. But we also live as citizens in our country. And Jesus wants us to be a preview of coming attractions. (laughs) He wants us to be a movie trailer. I mean, it costs a lot of money to go to the movies, right? But when you go, while you're there, what do they do? They show you all these trailers of movies that are coming. Why? Because they want you what? To come back. And they want you what? To pay money to come see these movies. And so we're here on earth to be a preview of coming attractions so that people might look at us and get just a little picture of the kingdom and say, I want to be there. I want to be there when the kingdom comes in all its fullness. So, you know what Jesus does? He starts out and he says, listen, here's the eight keys to happiness. Do you know anybody who'd like to be happy? The first thing Jesus says is, my people are happy people. And listen, the next two months, we're going to look, don't miss next week, we'll look at the first of eight keys to happiness. Wouldn't we make people want to be a part of the kingdom if they saw Happy people? Oh, and then you know what? He's going to show us how to have healthy relationships. Wouldn't we stand out in our culture? Wouldn't wouldn't we be a preview if we had healthy relationships? And then he's going to teach us how to pray and give and fast. Oh, and then he's going to teach us how to deal with anxiety. Isn't that a huge problem in our culture, isn't it? Anxiety. He's going to teach us how to deal with anxiety so we can show people a little foretaste of what's to come. And then he's going to say, it's really important. There's only two destinations. Choose your destinations because you want to begin with the end in mind. We're either going to choose hell or heaven. I mean, choose heaven. If we choose heaven, then that means we enter through a small gate and walk down a narrow path that's less traveled, right? And then we're going to see... Then we're going to see that uh, there are two foundations in life. And oh, how important it is as Christians that we build our life on the foundation of Scripture. That we don't take our cue on moral issues from our culture. We don't build our lives on what our culture believes. We build our lives on God's Word. It's going to be so good. Don't miss it. And why not invite someone to come and learn from Jesus how to be a preview of coming attractions? So back to our passage for today that we're going to learn that Jesus focused on a few. Matthew 5, verse 1, notice when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. Remember, this is written for Jewish people. And when they saw Jesus go up the mountain and then open his mouth, they thought, we've seen this before. You know who it reminded them of, right? Moses. How Moses went up the mountain, and Moses came down the mountain, and Moses explained God's law. So Jesus opens his mouth, and he says, this is what the Older Testament really was all about. But here's what I want you to really see. There's two groups of people here in these verses. Do you see the two? Who are the two groups of people? There's who? Come on. Who are the two groups? There's the crowds, and who else? The disciples. And so imagine this. There's the crowds. Isn't that what our culture is all about? And there's the disciples. So who does Jesus speak to? 
he speaks to his disciples. Don't miss that. He speaks to his disciples in the presence of a crowd. And one of the biggest failures of my ministry, please forgive me, is so much of my life I spoke to the crowd and neglected the disciples. Jesus focused on a few. Oh, he was glad the crowd was there. He was glad they were there and they were welcome to stay. But listen, Jesus didn't soften the message so the crowd would be, wouldn't be scared away. No, he said, this is serious. I want to equip my disciples. Um, listen, we want to equip you to be a disciple and a disciple maker. And listen, for those of you who are a part of the crowd and you're here, we're, we're so glad you're here. We'd love for you to stay. But this is really important. And I want you to understand there are 52 weeks in a year. And for 50 of those weeks, for 50 of those weeks, the primary emphasis of what we want to do is to build and equip and multiply. But there are two outliers. One of them is Easter, and one of them is Christmas Eve. And on those days, we shift our focus from to build and equip and multiply, and we really focus together on winning the loss. But what's so fascinating in this passage, I mean, when we read the Sermon on Your Mount, you'll see he was really teaching his disciples. But what's fascinating is, you know what? The crowd didn't leave. The crowd stayed. And so often we think we need to change God's word so the crowd will stay, but the crowd stayed. And notice what happened at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 28, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. I mean, there's really hard stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, but the crowd stayed because something happens when the Word of God is preached and the Spirit of God shows up. Something happens in the lives of people, even the crowd. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Because many, many people are hungry for truth, and when they hear truth, they say, wow, someone speaks the truth. Uh, so what we learn today is our introduction to the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus focused on a few. And uh, but you can't guess what our action step for the week is going to be, right? to focus on a few. To fo Listen, everything in our culture says have lots of followers, focus on a lot. And I know so many Christians that are so broken over everything that's happening in the world, and my heart is too, but what can you do about that? Why not focus on a few where you can actually make a difference? Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus understood he only had a short time, a very short time, so he focused on a few. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, he knew very soon he would be on a cross, and what he needed was to train his disciples so that they could make disciples who could make disciples. And that's what Jesus did, and, and that's what they did. And you know, that's why we're here today. Oh, man, I realize... I only have a few laps left to go around the block, and I want to spend more and more of my time investing in people who say, I want to be a disciple.
I want to be a disciple maker. Less and less time trying to twist people's arms to do what they don't want to do, but to take people who want to go somewhere and invest in them. Because when December 29th, 2024 comes around, what I am longing for is that we would have much fruit to celebrate. Because the Bible says, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Wouldn't you like to have grown this year? Wouldn't you like to have, you can, you know, you really can. I mean, I'm praying that we do have 202 people who have had a chance to win a friend to faith in Christ. Wouldn't that be amazing? And how could that happen if each one of us said, Lord, uh, uh, help me to win one. Will you do that? Lord, uh, uh, help me to win one. And when you win that one, will you take that one and say, hey, would you like to follow Jesus with me and invite them to walk with you? And then as they walk with you, won't you say, hey, would you like to fish for men with me and take them with you? And then would you send them out to reproduce their lives and the lives of others? And I know some of you say, but Smiley, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And again, so we want to help you. Uh, we, we have a, a, a very simple tool, and I want you to know, tools don't make disciples. Disciples do. Disciples uh, make disciples. But here's a really simple little book that someone can walk with you and equip you. Matter of fact, I learned this from Strider. That's so good. Strider says, see my book? It looks like your book. Only my book is full and your book is empty. And here's what we're going to do this year. In one hour a week, we're going to meet together. And I'm going to pass on to you what I've learned so that by the end of this year, your book looks like my book. And then when your book looks like my book, next year you can go and help someone else's book look like your book. One hour a week. Would you be willing to invest one hour a week in someone helping you become a reproducing disciple maker? Listen, we're going to try and it'll start in February. Some will be in the early morning, perhaps at lunch, in the evening, Sunday morning. We want to make it where it works from you, but would you find one hour a week where you could become a reproducing disciple maker? It is an amazing opportunity being offered to you. And if you'd like that, just really encourage you on your Connect card, say, hey, I'd like to be invested in I'd like to go somewhere. I'd like to be a disciple maker. Will you help me? And we will do everything we can to equip you because we want as a church to glorify God. And the Bible says this, by this my Father is glorified that you, all of you, bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Oh, it's going to be a great, great year. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to save sinners, that you died and rose so that sinners could be forgiven and have eternal life. Listen, if, if you've never received Jesus, won't you? He's here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. 
And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and, and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, uh, mark it on a card. We'd love to celebrate with you. And if you've done that, won't you just say, Jesus, thank you so much for forgiving me. And Jesus, thank you so much for living a perfect life and, and giving us your righteousness. Thank you for clothing us in your righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for, for giving us a model for life and for ministry. Holy Spirit, move among us. Help us to want to follow you. Help us to want to become reproducing disciple makers. Listen, if you're one of them, uh, won't you say, Lord, I, I, I want to be equipped. I want to be a disciple maker. And if, if you do, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to train you. And Lord, I pray for all the people in here who have been trained. And many, many of us have that this year we would say, Lord, use me to win one person. Lord, use me to invite them to follow Jesus with me. Lord, use me to, to equip them to fish for men. Lord, at the end of this year, help me to send them out to do the same with others. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.